Hello again and welcome to From the BOL End. I'm Simon Evans and I'm here with a full squad this week. Chris Borden, Justin Conley, Paul Woodhouse and Andrew Greaves here with me for the Burnley Football Podcast. And uh, we've got a lot to get through this week because it's been uh, the transfer activities really started heating up. We've had deals and announcement videos and oh, it's all going on. So let's get right into it. Um, first big deal really this week. Uh, Zeki Amduni coming in from FC Basel, uh, a really interesting one. Came a bit out of the blue, I think. But uh, Greavesy, what do you make of that one? Yeah, I mean it's one of them, isn't it? I mean we we'd kind of been focusing on the the guy at Mets, um, who I think you know we were talking about last week as being kind of exactly what we were looking for, and then friend of the podcast Sasha. Uh, and uh, secondary friend of the podcast, Fab, both kind of came out suddenly with this, you know, this Amduni link. And then all of a sudden it's kind of, it's done, but it's been two months in the making by the sounds of things. The interview with um, with him, you know, they said, when did you first hear about it? And he said, the last couple of months have been important. The coach wanted me. I think, you know, both uh, Sasha and, uh, and Fab both said that that company had been instrumental in terms of giving Zeki a call and, and kind of selling him the vision of here. So I think it just goes to show that I think quite a lot of these people were being linked with in public. You know, as as uh, Sasha was talking about, this is the, the policy is kind of going after lots. I wonder whether companies using a lot of these as smoke screens and it's allowing us to do these deals behind the scenes. But again, probably uh, I'm not quite sure what the record transfer is, but I think we're talking 18 million euros, roughly 15 million quid. So at least I think equaling the, the Burnley transfer record, if not breaking it for the first time this week before we've broken it again, probably today on Thursday. Unbelievable money flying around turf more boards. No, I mean it's this is this is pretty unprecedented stuff, isn't it? But what what do we know about Amduni really? Precious little before this week. He's uh, like I say, he's come completely out of left field. He's uh, you know he's not one I watched during the under twenty one uh, championships with Switzerland. He's you know very very good uh, record. Uh, with Ball in the in the Conference League, where he was the uh, you know the top goal scorer, but just reading uh, you know sort of descriptions of him and uh, you know he he sounds like the type. I think the, the quote here I've got is uh, undoubtedly one of the most intriguing forward prospects out of outside of Europe's top five leagues. You know mm. he's got this uh, you know good dribbler. You know got that sort of explosive pace can manipulate a yard, which is, you know, we, we spoke about last week, you know, it's going to be critical in the Premier League, you know, good on both feet, uh, you know, I'm, you know, from the sort of goals clips I've seen, he, he, he's quite, uh, you know, he's quite adept in the air as well at finding him, you know, you look at the sort of goals Michael Owen used to score for, you know, a, a lad his size, just finding that little yard inside the box and, and finishing with his head. But uh, he, I think he was in a couple of, uh, Couple of people's uh, sort of teams of the tournament from the under twenty ones alongside James Trafford, which uh, you know can only bode well. But uh, yeah, already spent more than you know, almost double last summer's spend, which was Burnley's highest uh, summer spend ever. So it's uh, yeah, I say credit, credit where credit's due to the chairman. Is uh, you know they, they are they are bringing in exciting young talent, and it looked like they might make a few quid uh, going forward with them as well. Shall we have a little ripple for little Al? Is he doing well? 
Board says it's boards well, Justin. Um, yeah, well, I, I've got to agree with him there. I mean, I, he, he sort of fits the profile, doesn't he? I mean, he, he's young. We can coach him to improve. He feels like a bit of a, a last last summer signing, doesn't he? One of these that comes completely out of nowhere that nobody's ever heard of. Um, all I know about him is the YouTube video that I think probably everybody's seen. But I think, you know, although I think he's scored a lot of goals, hasn't he, since since the World Cup? Um, and he's yeah. got a really good record. But from what I can gather from what people are saying about him, he's not like an out-and-out striker. He's more of a sort no. of number 10 no, type uh, and and companies sort of comments about him are all about how he's good with you know he makes quite a lot of assists and stuff like that so um it's 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 an exciting signing it's it's the sort of player that we need it's the sort of player that we want and i just can't wait for this season to start i don't know about anybody else yeah no absolutely i mean i, I did speak to a swiss journalist and uh i'm hoping we'll get a guest on in the next week or two to talk about him in some depth but uh, couldn't get it done for this week but what i did manage to glean was yes he does have that explosive pace over the first yard or two but he's not quick over longer distances so he's not he's not a pacey sort of number nine he is more of, he likes to play in the hole really behind the striker um, but the, the key phrase that, and this was without any prompting, the key about Burnley's system or anything, the person I was talking to didn't know much about Burnley at all. The key phrase I picked up was he's very good at bringing wingers into the game. And I thought, right, okay, that, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Woody, are you excited by this one? I think, I think most of us are intrigued, if not excited. I think intriguing is a good word, isn't it? Yeah, but it is, it's also quite exciting, and like everybody else, those, uh, three initial goals on his YouTube clips. He has like a right foot like Steve Harper. You know, there was like a little bit of bobbling going on. He looks like a he looks like he's got a lucky, a lucky right foot, exactly. Genuinely yeah. two-footed, I was told. Genuinely two-footed. No. Yeah. yeah, looked it. And yeah, he's got yeah, yeah. the the celebration, and he's got the the kind of archer celebration, which the kids will be doing downtownly, hopefully after a while. But what I what I saw from them clips is how deep he comes looking for the ball. You know, he's coming to the halfway line, looking for the ball and trying to, you know, as you said, Simon, bringing wingers into it. You look at some of the extended clips of him, um, but scored, as, as Board said, plenty of goals in that conference league, you know, scored home and away in the semi-final against Fiorentina, I think it was, um, which they just, yeah. I think they just lost, obviously. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, clearly Little Al has found the the keys to the uh, the the kind of the, the dry store cupboard at, uh, at Turf Moor. That garlic was kind of keeping the powder drying. Uh, it looks like Alan's blasted the doors off Michael Caine style and the, the dry powder is, uh, is flowing out onto Bruncher Road and beyond. Um, and we're probably not done yet. I think we'd worked out 50, is it 56 million we said just before? Thanks to our friends over at Up The Clarets. Someone on the Up The Clarets message board had worked out we'd already spent 56 million plus the extra four for James Trafford. Which must if, be a record. Uh, come there. For a window, you, no? Yeah, you'd think so. And still yeah. 30 million off what I was predicting in the first podcast, I think. So a couple yeah, more yeah. 15 million pound signings yeah. yet to come. You look at that strike force now, you got, you know, if uh, Amdouni likes playing as a 10, but, you know, capable with his back to goal by by the sounds of things. You've J-Rod, who, you know, could do either, but probably better as a 10. Vegorst, again, you know, he sort of likes to drop deep. With your know, Foster, who likes, you know, he, he can carry the ball, dribble with it. And uh, have we got that sort of out and out? You know, does he want an out and out target man? And, uh, 
does this mean no no Nathan Teller if Amduni can play wide as well? It's uh, you'd be surprised now, wouldn't you? If he's going to, especially if Nathan you know Nathan Redford comes comes through the door if uh, as expected. But uh, it'd be a shame. Mm. I think a lot of people would be disappointed if Teller didn't uh, didn't make the the move permanent. Yeah, that would that would be a shame. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what a bit of business from Basil as well, by the way. They had him on loan with an option to sign, and they signed him in May. It's now July. <laughs> so I don't know what transfer fee <laughs> they signed for. I'll have to have a look on transfer marks or something afterwards. But that must go down as one of the best bits of business uh, any club in Europe will do this summer is to sign a guy in May and then move him for multiple amounts of that in uh, in July. Um, obviously, he was there on, on loan. And all his goals came in the second half of the season, didn't they? He, had a, he really hit a hot streak. So you just sort of think, you know, we've got him at the right time there because he had a full season of that and his value is going to be even more, isn't it? You know, he would have been. Oh. Would have been. Yeah, yeah. Let's. Uh, we've also had the keeper through the door. Actually, before we go on to James Trafford, what about the uh, reveal video for Zeki Amduni, though? I mean... We've we've seen a few of these now, and they've become quite popular online. Um, it's probably where not the demographic that it's aimed at, but um, <laughs> I did find it a bit odd the Teletubbies one. I have to say, Woody, what we what were your thoughts about Tinky Winky and Poe and Zeki? I mean, I mean, <laughs> what the fuck was that about? I mean, it was fantastic in his own little way. There's a little short reveal, you know, as he went up the clarets. It was very nice, but. Uh, Yes, it was. Uh, I think it was off in a nicely bizarre way. Let's let, let's be kind to it. Just that yeah. you tend to appreciate these creative marketing things. <laughs> well, I, I tell you what. As I, increasingly these days, I I come I come to these things, and the phrase that comes to mind is, "This is not aimed at me." Um, I, I just I I thought there was some sort of joke involved that maybe he had a nickname or something that was something to do with the Teletubbies, but apparently no. It's just sort of a random left field odd kind of way of uh, revealing him. I, I think they did so well, didn't they, with these videos last last season? There were some really great ones, and you know we're going to talk about another one that, that hit the mark as well later on. But this one just seemed really, really quite strange, and I'm, and I'm not sure whether Amduni himself will appreciate being associated with the Teletubbies in this way going forward. Yeah, I do, I do really do hope they sat him down and said, So, what we're going to do, Zeki, we're going to have <laughs> yeah. the Teletubbies on, and then we're going to say, Who's Burnley signing today? And then you're going to appear and go up the claret. And he went, Yeah, right, fair enough. I really <laughs> hope they had that conversation because if they didn't, but I think it also tells us how much uh, dressing rooms have changed, doesn't it? Really, because can you imagine that in the dressing rooms of the eighties or the nineties or even ten years ago? Uh, here comes like Tinky that. Winky. You know the stick he would have got, but but yeah. these days, these days I don't think it's quite like that, is it? But uh, yes, the one for uh, that you're referring to there obviously was for James Trafford, and that move has been completed. We talked at quite a bit of length about James Trafford last week, so we know what we're getting, but there it is. It's actually happened. We've spent an absolute fortune on a goalkeeper who's never played above League One level. Grieves it. I mean, what what does it feel like now that it's sunk in that we've actually signed him? And it does pretty much look from the way they promoted that one that he's going to be number one. 
Yeah, well, we know he's taking the number one shirt, don't we? I think that's that's you know the the what I did quite like is um, they did the uh, the kind of pre-reveal tweet, basically saying kind of can't stop me now with some shopping bags, and then did a keep a clearance uh, tweet literally just before six o'clock, which I thought was quite a nice nod because I think we were all a little bit miffed the last time they they used shopping bags on a tweet and it didn't turn out to be James Trafford, but. I mean, we were all quite excited, weren't we, over the last couple of weeks when we when we we spoke about Trafford? And I just think, you know what I mean. The more I think about that as a signing, you know, and the the confidence in which he speaks about, you know, what he wants to do, learn here, take every day as he comes. But what company talks about in terms of being very confident, mature, I just think it's it's. You know, as Justin said, I'm just excited for the season now. You know, these two signings this week have just kind of, you know, skyrocketed the excitement. Obviously, we go to Belgium this weekend, then we've got that run of friendlies. Um, you know, Man European City tour. at home. On, yeah, Man City at home on that Friday night just cannot come quickly enough for me. I just, I, I can't wait to get started. Even if we end up getting his arse handed to us by City on that first day of the season. I don't think that will set the tone, but I just think, yeah, let's get going now. I'm, I'm really excited. And Trafford, yeah, he is, I think he's going to be the real deal. Famous last words. We'll clip that up when it's all gone all really <laughs> wrong by November and we've got Will Norris back or something to help us out. But there we go. Boards, your thoughts on the James Trafford deal being done? Yeah, I mean, well, obviously, you know, not even talking from a Burnley slant. I think the lad himself thinks he's going to be England's number one in the not too distant future. And uh, yeah, he'd obviously have to, he'd have to climb above a few, a fair few contenders. You know, I think Jordan Pickford's been set in stone for sort of six, seven years now. You've, uh, you know, you've Nick Pope, you know, different attributes and uh, your Hendersons and people like that. But uh, if, if he performs well, which, you know, we, we, we expect him to certainly within the system, you know, judging from what we've seen, uh, you know, over the summer with the under twenty ones, and like I say, what everyone talks about this character, this self belief. There's no reason to to suspect he won't hit the ground running. If he does, you know, every chance he's going to be elevated to that to that senior squad uh, sooner rather than later. Which it, I said we were talking before in the chat. I mean, you. You look back if he does get that, you know, he, he, his ambition, his dream. You know, Burnley will have had, you know, say Tom Heaton, England's first, Burnley's first England international for like since the mid seventies, and uh, obviously Popey in that uh, in that range. He had Joe Hart, but you know, he didn't make an England appearance in that in that time. He was with Burnley, but uh, Trafford as well. It'd be it's like a factory for goalkeepers. It is, but Southgate's never seemed to particularly want to. Uh... He didn't. He certainly didn't press the button on Pope ahead of Pickford, did he? When there was times when Pope was in unbelievable form in the Premier League and Pickford was having a shaky spell, and he still he still went with Pickford, didn't he? It's again style of play, isn't it? It's we, we all know as, as good as Pope he is, it, his feet is absolutely appalling, and there's no getting <laughs> away from that. And we've seen that in the. In the England game, in the in the England games he's played, he's you, you are you, you you're petrified when he has the ball at his feet. He's gonna you know yeah, he's no, gonna no, make no. a risk. He's, he's just not comfortable. World class mm. with his gloves and and I love and, him and to league, pieces. League two he's with his absolutely, feet, absolutely. Yeah, magnificent to every other aspect of the game. But in in the modern era, this is where we're at, isn't it? If you can't, it's a bit you can't like, play, it's a bit, you can't play with you. Know, it's a bit like now goalkeeping's become a bit like cricket was 20 years ago where you 
you, you could no longer really be considered for selection for the top teams if you were no good at fielding. You know, you used to be able to get away with being a sort of, you know, Vic Marks sort of off spinner who, who who maybe wasn't brilliant in the field or anything. But but now you're expected to be really up to scratch. And it's, you know, this massive difference between the lower levels and the top levels, isn't it? Being able to do absolutely everything. And goalkeepers now, if you... I mean, that's why that's why United have signed uh, um, the, the the lad they've signed from Inter into Milan Onana. because of his feet. Onana, yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, Woody, what do you make of all this goalkeeping like ability with his with the feet? I mean, you would think in company's way of playing that it just makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Well, yeah, uh, but ironically enough, as soon as I turned him on during the semi final. So he moved it into row Z. He had like Nick Nick Bolt boots on. He had an absolute shocker. But saying that, you know, this this idea of almost being a, a secondary kind of Beckenbauer, we've gone from like the Besant thing, haven't we? Where it was, you know, just kind of drop the ball outside your box. And we thought that was a, a huge revelation and revolution in football. But now to see, you know, the likes of Murich and everybody else in the premiership, if you aren't arguably one of the better passes in the side, you aren't going to get gloves, are you? Because at the end of the day, the idea is if you've pushed further up the pitch, they don't have to make a damn save, do they? But um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a very different game, isn't it? These days, it is, and I think I think fans have got used to it now. Because even even Allison at Anfield, when I covered some Liverpool games early on in his time there, and the fans were like jittery then, you know, he, even though you know he's very good at that and he's a Brazilian keeper and, and and you could you could even feel at Anfield that similar to how it was with Murich at the start of last year at the turf where the fans were a bit like just get rid you know but I, I think over the last season or two in football fans have just got used to that now haven't they I mean it's, it's just it's just the way the game's played now Justin no uh, absolutely of course it is I mean it's all it's it's how Pep's changed the game in this country isn't it it's, and it's not just it's not just goalkeepers who are expected to play. Well, effectively, you're a sweeper and a goalkeeper, aren't you? You're a goalkeeper when, right. you've, when you haven't got the ball and you're a sweeper when you have got it. But it's it's the same thing that he does with these infer, inverted fullbacks where, you know, when you haven't got the ball, you're a left-back. When you have got the ball, you're a central midfielder and you've got to be quick to make sure that you can switch between the two. And it's all about having players play in two different positions depending on what phase of play you're in. And from what everybody's saying about James Trafford, he he can do that. He's brilliant at it. And he's also a a great goalkeeper. So I I genuinely think that this signing is the most exciting of all the ones we've had, even, you know, last season and the the players who've come in this season. Um, I think I, I, because it goes beyond all those other signings, doesn't it? It's not like a, a sort of three million pound punt on a Benson or a Zeruri who you can train up. He's he's actually already being spoken about as being like the real deal. And if if half of what people say about him is true, he will be England's number one in short order, and he'll he'll immediately be worth a lot more than we paid for him. It feels like a dream to me. <laughs> all this, it feels like. How, how high expectations have gone for us. It feels like a dream. And I've, I said it about uh, Amdouni, but J- James Trafford coming into the side and the other players who we've signed and 
it just I can't wait for it to start. It's just it just feels like it's just well, like I say, like a dream. I don't remember a time like it as a Burnley fan. Have we got to the stage yet, though, before we go on to talk about some of the other signs? Have we got to the stage, though, where the squad is better than it was last year, given that we've lost Harwood Bellis, we've lost Teller, we haven't got Martson yet? Are we actually better than we were last year? <laughs> Who's going to answer that? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't I think, think we are yet, to be honest. I think that's the... Right. Well, we haven't got a left back yet, have we? So yeah, exactly. It's Charlie Taylor, who I don't think fits the system, and I think we all agree on that. Or it's Vitinho, who's a square peg in a round hole, being asked to do a job that he will do competently, but you need a little bit more than competence in that system. But that's the exciting thing. I think the thing with the Amdouni uh, signing this week. It, that's the thing. I think we need another central midfielder. We've banged on about big, rangy centre midfielders. We need, I think, a bit more wing cover. I think we do need a number nine. I think we need a left back. You know, the, the shopping list is still got stuff that needs ticking off. But the Amduni signing, which came out of absolutely nowhere, 24 hours before, you know, he's appearing in a, a reboot of the Teletubbies, that's the interesting thing. And the, the dream that Justin talks about, that is the kind of, we don't know who we're going to wake up and get linked with. You know what I mean? We keep getting linked with all these players and I'm not sure if we were ever really that sold on Clark or Hamer. You know, we, we've not even talked about Bobby Thomas supposedly going to Coventry in a £2 million deal. I think if they're paying cash for him, it probably means we're not getting Gustavo Hamer. But I just wonder whether them players are the ones where we're using them to create a bit of a fuss and that's just keeping people off the scent. I mean, you know, again, another sign I'm sure we'll talk about is the the young Italian under nineteen player from um, from Espanol. Is it? Um, you know, turning down Fiorentina and another team to come to Burnley. You know, it's that weird kind of we're just doing business in public, kind of getting people excited. And you know, I have to say, most of those kind of signings don't feel massively inspiring because they're they're mainly Championship players. And there's a, a step up, but then the dream scenario is is that company's just going to keep pulling aces from up his sleeve in the same way Sasha says he likes to do. He says company likes to spring a surprise, and that's what he's doing. Yeah, and, and a lot of these, a lot of these players. I mean, it's not a risk, is it? They're not a risk to sign these players because immediately they're coming for they're they're. they're they're worth more than we pay for them the minute they pull the jersey on and start playing games. So, it, I mean, that goes double fold for James Trafford. Obviously, I was a bit nervous about whether whether that deal was going to go through, actually, because after his performance for England the other week, I, I did fear that somebody had uh, drop in and trip us up on that. But obviously, the pull of company for these players, like you say, at Greasy, you know, the, the, I think it was uh, P.S., uh, PSV that he turned down the, the the Italian lad to come to Burnley. I mean, it, again, it's like dreamland, isn't it? But, you know, imagine that. Imagine that season, that summer when we signed Dale Stevens. Imagine, imagine telling oh, somebody that in, in I was waiting in three for years Dale time, Stevens this, reference. <laughs> imagine telling somebody that in three years' time this was going to be happening. It, it, it's it's almost unbelievable, but there we are. It's, it's and people still tell me that Sean Dyche, yeah. People still tell me Sean Dyche didn't perform miracles. You see, you talk about what he had to work with that yeah. summer and to keep them yeah. in the Premier League. But Absolutely. Uh, no, I think that's the, uh, 
I think that's the new Blur album. Forget the Ballad of Darren. The new Blur album is going to be the Summer of Dale Stevens. <laughs> Summer of Dale. Yeah. Summer I'm, joking, of Dale. I'm joking aside. The excitement is that you still feel there's still, you know, even if, you know, say as we, as we expect, Nathan Redmond comes through the door, you still think there's going to be a centre mid, you know, and if it, if it is Hamer or not, they're going to have to be spending that ballpark £15 million or so. But Hamer, for me, would fit the bill. You know, it, it's, again, we're talking about what, what do we need in the Premier League? You're going to be able, able to switch play quickly. And in that area, he's technically proficient. You know, he's, he's, he's good with dead balls. You know, it was, you know, it's going to be going to be huge in the Premier League. But that ability to switch play, you know, imagine setting Zorori or Benson away, you know, one on one against an opposition fullback. It'd be, uh, could be, it's going to be absolutely critical to our hopes, I think. And, and you know, certainly Cullen, you know, people like that can do that role. But uh, you know, you, maybe a double pivot in there. I don't know. Remains to be seen. But the. You know, best part of 60 mil spent, and we think there's going to be, you know, probably another another big hitter, maybe. It's, it's absolutely staggering. Great times for a Burnley fan. And no loans yet, and I think that's the key. I mean, he will use both Premier League loans. I'm almost certain that he will use both Premier League loans that were allowed, or both English loans, and I, I presume they will be loans in the Premier League. You know, and that's before we've spoken about and who we might get on loan from foreign foreign clubs as well. So, you know, like you say, it's there's a couple more fifteen million quids to be spent, I think, um, and that has got to be just you know we we are we're often accused of having an agenda and, and criticising Alan Pace unnecessarily, but I I think the last two summers that the chairman has served up, you know, even I'm starting to soften. And I'm a right bastard. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think this is the moment where I have to inject some some cynicism, some scepticism, some doubt, some gloom, perhaps. I don't know. Or at least play a devil's advocate slightly. Less. Well, let's let's just let's just uh, throw this one in there. We're we're millions in debt, right? We've we've taken out loans. We're now spending millions on players. Which presumably is borrowed money against possible revenues coming in and so on. Oh, sorry. Has, has, no, no. Has anyone got any concerns that you know these these young players were signing for fifteen million? If they don't work out, we don't get that money back. So there are there are risks involved in all transfers. But is it just something we have to do if we want to play at the big boys table or is this a risk? Are we going to have a Peter Risdale conversation at some time where we say, well, it was a great ride. We enjoyed it while it happened, but uh, yes, unfortunately the bills have come in now or am I being uh, unnecessarily negative there? I think you have to, you have to, you have to compete, haven't you? We've seen it over time that year on year, it was just a struggle, you know, spending the, the, the bare minimum every year and like, Grinding it out, and and that's you know the, the the genius of Sean Dyche. But yeah, I look like Villa today look like they're on the brink of another forty million signing. Newcastle are spending, you know, Harvey Barnes thick end of forty million. Madison goes to Spurs, mm. and it's it, it. And these are just these aren't probably even considered marquee signings for their clubs. You know, there's going to be some ridiculous business done before before the you know the the end the end of August and. Uh, You've got to give yourself an opportunity to compete, and I, I, I'd agree with Justin. I think you know, bare minimum, you know, James Trafford's going to be worth what Burnley paid for him. 
you know, if, even mm. if you know, worst comes to the worst, and you know, Burnley struggle and you know, get get relegated, maybe people like Bayer, you know, there's going to be interest from home and abroad. I think, you know, just based on uh, you know what he achieved last season, what he's going to achieve going further forward with the you know the German uh, under twenty one side, etc. It's 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 exciting times. They're going about it the right way. We're not sort of moaning and groaning about oh, it's another veteran from Stoke that's going to do a job for us you know it's uh we're talking about real like let's say in, intriguing left field transfers here that really do like you know mm. <laughs> well the the, the the thrilling Burnley fans you can see on on social media I think yeah, the, I the big thing is it's it's almost a two-tier last year was exciting lots of players not massive transfer fees I mean Foster was the first big transfer fee you know I mean we picked up Zorori and Benson for a song got a loan out of Bear and you know what I mean so I, I think there is that kind of you know sensibility from Pierce and the board to kind of go you know what last year when we didn't have much of a pot to piss in you know, because we were trying to service loans and debts and things like that, and we still had the the payoff to to Garlic and John B and all that lot, the scheduled payments. But this year, because we know, you know, you're guaranteed that whack of money. We've talked a lot, obviously, about the JJ Watt and that being more um, publicity than perhaps financial, but we don't know for certain. But you just wonder kind of whether there's pockets of small bits of investment, nine million quid from W88. You know, again, it's not huge amounts, but it's that does that keep the wolves on the door from a interest payment point of view? We are betting the ranch more than we've ever done. But as Chris said, you don't bet the ranch. You know, I think Luton and Sheffield United will really struggle, not because they've not got good managers because I think they've both got cracking managers not because they've not got good players because I think they've got good players but they're just not going to give themselves a chance to compete in that kind of that that kind of table and I think we'll probably talk about friendlies maybe later on but I think everything that's geared towards the start of this season those friendly fixtures are geared towards giving that team the best chance to assess itself against the teams we're going to be playing pretty much week in, week out. We're not going to be playing City week in, week out, United, etc. But I think the friendlies are set up to mimic that kind of almost mini league from 7th down to 12th, which is what we're going to be wanting to compete in. And that's where the signings, I think, are where we will want to see ourselves. You know, we're not signing players... Um, you know, cart horses or, or experienced pros, I should say, from Stoke <laughs> or West Brom. I know we've signed O'Shea from West Brom, but he, he's not that model of previous. So, yeah, I think, you know, a slight thawing perhaps of our um, attitude towards spending and borrowing. But I think we found, didn't we? I mean, Chris keeps mentioning the genius of Sean Dyes. It's only when you see how long we were in the Premier League, what we spent, who we brought in, what he got out of that side, that you do actually sit back and appreciate what Sean did, I think. Absolutely. No, absolutely you do. And and also, you know, as part of that, though, people had had enough of that, hadn't they, towards the end? I think I think people, that style of football, which was born out of the fact that Sean knew what kind of players he had to work with, that he didn't have money to go and spend and bring in higher quality he always said, you know, if you gave me the players, I'd play like Barcelona or whatever. You know, he'd, he'd play a different style of football, perhaps. But um, I think I think there's only so long you can go where 
the fans are really pleased that you've got a backs against the wall draw and then scraped a win against Norwich that will keep you out at bottom three and so on. After you know five or six seasons of that, it it, it did get it did get a bit much, didn't it? So, but, but Burnley, Burnley, are the only ones. If you look at, I mean, Blackburn fans got got sick of Sam Allardyce, and you know they've, they've been out of the Premier League for a decade. West Brom got sick of Pulis. They're not getting back to Premier League anytime soon. Stoke got sick of Pulis and went down. Went down Mark Hughes's road of signing. You know, you players from Barcelona that aren't quite made it there and trying to play exciting football and got relegated. And that none of them have bounced back. And it's to Burnley's credit that they've been able. This turnaround will be will be talking about for generations to come. Now they, they, they re-energized the club in one summer. And hit the ground running and, and romped, romped mm. to the championship. It just I, absolutely, it's still had some Kenya. I do think, I do think that um, even that though um, it owes an, an enormous debt to Sean Dyche because what company is built is built on the foundations that Dyche laid, hasn't he? You know, he, he, he himself has actually said, you know, we we don't want to we don't want to throw all the good stuff out that was here. All that that work ethic, all that sort of heart, you know, all, all that stuff that Sean Dyche was legs, arms, and minds, legs, arms, and minds. Yeah, all that stuff. It's still there, isn't it? It's still there. Yeah, all and, and, all of the and, signs are still up, aren't they? You know, Bellamy yeah. said that. All of the everything Sean Dyche instilled in that training ground, which was made in his image, let's not forget, is still there. And I think that's right. I think we, I think we've been so swept away by company just in that. I don't think any of us have really taken. We've we've talked on the podcast before. We talked about kind of the dual style of football, and I think I, I listen back to the podcast sometimes. I think, oh God, you know what? We've not sat back and actually appreciated that it's a needs must situation. And actually, what Chris said then about Stoke and West Brom and, and Blackburn, it's only when somebody actually mentions that that you go, bloody hell, you know what? And it is only those foundations you've just mentioned that. If they're not in place, if he leaves an absolute basket case of a club with no identity and things like that, company and Bellamy and Core don't do what they did last summer. Absolutely, absolutely. And there's no question about that whatsoever. It's it was all built on on what Dyche laid down. I mean, Mike Jackson's still there, isn't he? You know, he's not. Yeah, he's I'm not really thrown, glad about that. Yeah, he's really not thrown that, that out. And 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 the spine of the the spine of the team last last season. You know, your Brownhills, your Corks. You know, the the, the it, it looked for a time that um, that uh, Roberts wouldn't wouldn't sort of survive the call, but even forced his way back into the team. So even on the playing side of things, you know, there's still a lot of Sean Dyche in what we're seeing on the pitch week week to week. Well, I mean, Ashley Barnes last year. I mean, it doesn't get a more Sean Dyche player than Ashley Barnes, really, does there? And, and company used him a lot. Maybe he didn't think he would do at the start, but mm-hmm. he ended up doing because he's 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 got enough pragmatism in him. To realise he had an asset there last year, yeah, I just think it is worth registering, and I do, I do share, I do share being serious. I do share the the enthusiasm and excitement about new signings coming in and the way we play football and everything about companies Burnley and you know Alan Pace's Burnley, um, but there is a risk there. You know, there is a risk. There is a risk in in, in what's being done, and uh, maybe we have to roll that dice. And probably we do. Otherwise, you know, it's not much fun going up and, and and having a relegation battle, losing it, going back down again, company going somewhere else. I mean, we've kind of made our bed by going for company, I think, because he's not the kind of bloke who is going to go, 
and sign those kind of players that we used to sign and 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 settle for like if we finish above three teams we've done our job he's he's not he's not that kind of person is he no he i think he's he still is a bit he's still got a bit of that pragmatism though hasn't he because i think i think yeah. nathan redmond feels like a bit of a a Sean Dyche style, you know, Premier League quality, experience, and all that sort of stuff. He does feel a bit like that sort of player. So I, I, I don't, I don't think he's, he's not, he's not splashing the cash, and and you know, spending money wildly on these players without having having a, a real sort of sense of of where he wants to go and what what he wants to do. It's not about that, is it? It's about what he wants and the the. It's about the the system that he wants to play. They 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 obviously identify these targets. They have a list and they work down it and they get the best they can for the best price they can. It it, it all seems it all it's all working for me. I, I'm I'm enthusiastic about it. I have to say. Yeah, no, I think we all are. Woody Nathan Redmond. Let's move on to Nathan Redmond because he is a little bit more on the surface, a little bit more of an old school side in the sense that you know. Dash did go and pick up players like Aaron Lennon and Peter Crouch. Now, I know Redmond's only 29. Um, he's not quite in that category yet. But it is a bit more of a sort of traditional signing, if you like. He's not um, a player who's unknown. He's got Premier League experience. Do we need him? Is it a good move? What do you think, Woody? I mean, it sounds like a bit of a, a canny buy as much as anything else. Because like you say, we need that experience. We've got all these exciting under-21s, etc. And I think one of the reasons Barnes played such a massive role was his shithousery on the pitch. He knew how to handle those games and get them over the line and was showing these lads how to do it. We need a level of experience that we don't have throughout the site, uh, side. So I think it could be... I mean, it could be a very smart. It could be a very smart move, and he still might be able to play a bit, you know. So, yeah, he might. Play. And of course, anyone who listens to this podcast would have heard the Nathan Redmond link some weeks ago. Here's what was on the podcast then with our expert from the Super League, Chris Borden, telling us all about what he knew. No, again, from 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 speaking to uh, you know, say a reporter I've dealt with uh, over in Turkey covers Besiktas exclusively. He uh, contacted me a couple of weeks ago and suggested uh, Nathan Redmond was 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 one that Burnley might be pursuing, but uh, it remains to be seen. He's he's still I think he's twenty nine still, so I think we think he's a bit older than that because he's been around uh, you know since he, he was a, he was a young. Uh, a young lad, you know, he played in the under twenty ones with uh, with Ingsy. Uh, but it, if they can't land Teller, you know, you, you only have to look at the you know, you know the, the times it Guardiola pulled him off the pitch and basically said, "Why aren't you doing that every week?" After a, what, one yeah. South, one Southampton performance against uh, against City, he's capable, you know, very good player, and maybe you might be able to get him for you know for cut price for a season or two and. Uh, you know, probably is if Teller, if a deal for Teller isn't uh, isn't doable. So yeah, Bords, you were right. Nathan Redmond, it does seem he's going to get over the line at the moment. It looks that way, not confirmed yet, but uh, you were obviously in the know there. Well, kudos to uh, I'm going to murder murder the name now. Is it Yagakli Yol? Who uh, I say I was in contact with um, during. Uh, 
obviously Val Vegos loan move to Besiktas and uh, the forward that was coming to Burnley but uh, ended up going to Besiktas, Muleka, who looks like he's going to exit Besiktas as well this summer. It didn't uh, didn't go down too well uh, in Besiktas last season, but uh, no, they're very uh, very very in with uh, with Besiktas very early in the piece. Said yeah, uh, Vincent Company's got a an interest in in Nathan Redmond. Knew he was available on a free. I see, still only 29. You know, I vividly remember him playing for the under-21s at Turf Moor with Danny Ings against uh, Portugal, which had some... The Portugal side had, had some real dummies in it, like Bernardo Silva and uh, Ruben Neves and people like that. But uh, they murdered Portugal that night. And uh, you know, the, 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 the front players were, were out of this world. But uh, it, Redmond's one of those. He can play as an out-and-out wide player. He can play as an inverted play, wide player. You know, he can play... Sort of half spaces, you know. That uh, I think Vincent Company would like to sort of utilise in the Premier League. He's, he's pacey, you know. He's got that experience, and it's. I, I just think it's an absolute no-brainer to be honest. You know, if, if that type of player is available for next to nothing, you know, just just his just his, his wages basically. Same 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 with Townsend. Obviously, he was training with the club recently. I'm not, not aware of his current situation, but if you were to bring a player like that in for a season, maybe, you know, it's just a, a no-brainer. That Just a bit of extra know-how to sort of cajole these, you know, these exciting young talents over the season. Yeah, it strikes me as a, a good away player, Nathan Redmond. You know, when you may be a bit under the cosh and going to be playing on the break a bit more, he's a fantastic player on the break. I mean, his most memorable moments are breakaway goals for Southampton. Um I, I I like the look of it. I like I like that. I've been saying we needed a bit of experience in there. I, I, you know, I've been, I've, I was thinking more of a central midfielder, but I think he, he he fits the bill. Anyone else got any thoughts on Redmond? Well, I think um, I think it, it's not just about what happens on the pitch, is it? It's about what happens in the on the training ground and what happens in the dressing room. And if you've got players like Townsend and Redmond around to guide these young players that we brought in from leagues that aren't necessarily at the same level as as the Premier League, it, that that sort of that sort of experience can only rub off on these young players, even if you know Townsend or Redmond don't make that much of an impact on the pitch. So, like. Like Chris says, it's it's it makes absolute sense for us to bring these players in if they're not costing us any money apart from the wages. Just for me, even if it's just for that, even if they're just maybe uh, you know involved in in a sort of cameo way on the pitch, because we've got a lot of inexperience, we've got a lot of young players, and they do they will benefit from their the guidance that these old heads who've been there and done it all can can bring. Yeah, yeah and you look at some of the, you know. Someone like Redmond, I think he's, you know, we keep mentioning he's only 29. He feels like he's been around for a lot longer. But last season, there was a, there's a great goal that he scored for, for Sixtas last season where he just picks the ball up and he's he's dropped his shoulder. He's running, he's running, he's running. An absolute thunderbolt into the bottom corner. You know what I mean? He, he's got that about him. He's got that real kind of, you know, ability to, um, you know, move the ball quickly. We've talked about phases in play and kind of getting that ball moved quickly. You know, if you're looking at playing a back three with with a left winger who's going to track back and defend, Redmond's probably that kind of player as well who's going to get his his boots dirty. Um, you know, I think 
you know, if you're a young player coming to the Premier League, what a, what a kind of group of senior pros to have in Redmond, Townsend, if we if we end up getting uh, Andros Townsend on a short-term deal. Brownhill's been there. Cork's been there. Uh, Roberts has been there. Roberts has been to a World Cup. Rodriguez has played in the Premier League for several teams. You know, you're going to need all that kind of little pockets. You know, Johan Berg Goodmanson, they're all them kind of players who, you know, if, if Redmond can can have the kind of season that Johan had last season, you know, where he adapts the way he plays to be less of an out-and-out winger and and somebody who comes perhaps more central and it's a bit of that freer role going going around that kind of final third... I think he, I think you know more than just cameos. I think he can play a real part in some of them games, you know, against your your likes, your Uniteds, perhaps, and your, you know, your cities where it just needs shoring up a little bit so games don't run away from you. If you do kind of fall behind early, that person who's going to grab that game by the scruff of the neck and say, "Look, I've been here. I've been here with Southampton. I know what we need to do." Interesting. I don't think there's much difference in age between him and James Ward-Prowse. Yet we're talking about Ward-Prowse going for multi-million pounds, yet Nathan Redmond, completely different players, of course. But I think it's perception sometimes, isn't it? In terms of Ward-Prowse and players at 29 still attracting big offers from from Premier League clubs. And we're, you know, on the sly, um, picking up a, a player who's got bags of Premier League experience and can still do it at the top level, I'm almost certain he can, for, for nothing, which is just such a shrewd, shrewd little signing. I've no doubt that company, you know, phone call from, from Vincent was again, the big driver for, for Redmond to, to choose Burnley. Yeah. I was, nothing... at, I was at City. Yeah. I was at City. Sorry. When uh, Ward Prowse, he was a surprise pick. I'd just gone to watch uh, Jay Rodriguez make his debut for Southampton at City. And uh, obviously I think Ward Prowse was a you know, surprise selection. I think he played up front with the, uh, Super Ricky Lambert, who uh, I don't know whether he'd spoken uh, kindly to his glass of water before the game or not that day. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> some guy. There's something in the water in Southampton. There's something in the water in Southampton. It's like <laughs> Letizia and then him. We've yeah. um, all been drinking yeah. too much of it. <laughs> Another name that's, that's been mentioned Be- that's bizarre. definitely the, the, other, the other end of it, uh, it seems, Luca Colliescio who is a multinational character, one of these lads who's eligible for five or six countries, I think. Um, he's in Italy's under-19 team. He's been playing in Spain for Espanyol. He was called up by Canada to their full national team, but didn't appear for them. Um, he's available, apparently, and we're interested, apparently. One of these, uh, still in the rumour category, I think, isn't it? But um, an attacking player, an interesting one, uh, what do we think? What do we think about that one? Anyone know anything, or is, does he look like a player, Chris, for maybe the development squad, or you think uh, somebody who's been called up for a national if, team? If, yeah, if Mike McGrath's, you know, sort of reporting that, that you know, the, it, it's pretty much concrete. Uh, you know, you, you you can believe. Oh, has he reported? Mike's that? as good as they that. get. Yeah, Mike's right, as good yeah. as they get on on that. Oh, it's on not that a rumor then. It's there. more than a rumor. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I, I'm literally. I've I've not seen I've seen not seen anything of him whatsoever, but you know you, you're looking at pedigree there. You, you say if if you you're selected for an exciting Canada side at his age, is you know is a, is a first a fair shout. If you got you know so it, Italy chasing your your signature at, at, that they've just have they just won the under nineteen. Yeah, just won the under nineteen championships. Yeah, yeah. There's like says a you know to have a host of countries chasing you. Uh, 
your your, your name is uh, is fair play. I'd say to come out, you come out of Espanola. You know, he's played at uh, a, a, a few levels with their sides. It's three million pounds or three million euros. Sounds like an awful lot of money for a development style player, but where on earth you see him fitting into the first team, first team uh, picture? Should he come in at present? Remains to be seen. I think uh, that's probably one for the like a yeah, probably a development type, but maybe on the fringes of the of the first team squad. He's he's American actually. He was born in uh, Connecticut, I think, Woody. So we finally get Alan Pace's American signing if this one goes through. There you go. That'd be quite exciting, <laughs> won't it? Played in yeah. Manhattan, didn't he? He did start his youth football in Manhattan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he's a, he's an interesting one, definitely. I mean, I, yeah, I just think I don't know if, if he's if he's a, a wide attacker is what I heard, not necessarily a winger, but a wide attacker. I guess you could say you know that that's what Teller was, isn't it? In a way, but um, yeah, and sometimes he was anyway. Um, but we've not heard anything about Darko Chulinov, have we? Who's also one of those kind of players. So you wonder he's still injured, isn't he? Is he? I think he's still recovering from sepsis or some kind of blood poisoning. So I think it'll be probably a few months before he's kind of fit enough to resume training by the looks things. But um, yeah, it's slightly bizarre that the club's not really said anything about Darko. It's just, you know, he's out of hospital and things like that. I was talking to one of the uh, Macedonian journalists um, on, on Twitter, the guy who kind of, I think first talked about chilling off and he said, yeah, you'd expect it to be kind of eight, 12 weeks kind of into pre-season into the season before he'd be in a position to start training again. Um, you know, and I think he picked up that, whatever it was, that infection whilst on international duty, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And no, it's a shame really, because if you were to have any chance for this season, he had to have a good pre-season, I think really, didn't he? Having not really made much of an impact last year. The Martin saga continues. The latest rumours are that we might be willing to do a one-year loan deal. Couldn't agree with Chelsea on prices. Um, Chelsea are a bit uncertain about what they want to do in a few years' time with their seven left-backs that they've got, so they're, they're playing it a bit careful. Um, but, Woody, Martin, it does feel like if we are going to burn some loan spots... That you know, we we need a left back, don't we? Um, you'd think so. Is did I see that he was being linked with uh Forest or that they'd tabled a bid around about the 15 million pound mark, weirdly enough? So, I mean, yeah, it's one of those things that something has to be resolved somewhere along the line, don't it? But I suppose with Matson, you can probably hold on to it a little bit longer because he knows the system and it's not too difficult for him to come in slightly later during the window uh, and uh, acclimatise himself. But, um, yeah, for 15, Scott, I'd take him. Yeah, he'd been linked with, I think, Forrest, Benfica, a couple of others, but scored two for Chelsea against Wrexham on Tuesday night, I think it was, Ooh. or Wednesday night. Wednesday night, yeah, he scored twice for Chelsea. Um, but I, I think it's a bit of a scratch squad that's gone to America, hasn't it, for this Premier League summer series or whatever. I think Chelsea fans were whinging that it was possibly the worst Chelsea lineup for a squad uh, that they'd seen. And I, I think, guess there's no pleasing Chelsea fans. But yeah, Matson playing for, further forward, scored two against a, a very, very poor Wrexham side by the looks of things. Yeah, it's a mixed bag to the, what the teams that are coming over. I watched uh, Arsenal play the MLS All Stars last night in an utterly pointless game. Um, 
Wayne Rooney was asked after the match. Uh, he's been given the players two days before the game. They all come from different clubs, all different nationalities. He's never worked with any of them apart from Ben Tecker, who plays for him at DC United. And they got beat 5 0. And uh, an American journalist asked him, you know, what he'd learned from that game to help him hone his craft. And Rooney said, nothing. So it was a pointless affair. But Arsenal looked pretty good for what it's worth. They had, they had a full squad out with Declan Rice and everyone. So some of them are taking it seriously and some of them are doing a marketing trip like Chelsea, basically. Yeah. Um, we've got quite a lot of friendlies now, haven't we? I mean, what 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 we added this week since we last were on the podcast? Mainz has been added. Benfica has been added. It's, it's a mini European tour now, isn't it? Prepping us for the season after next, isn't it? That's the that's the thing, Europa Conference League. But but like I said earlier, I think it, I think it's a brilliant program. But there's obviously the disappointment that we're not playing anyone at home, and I do wonder kind of how well the self service kiosks are going to work for the city game, having us not having had the chance to test them out. I think if I was the the new catering department, I'd want some kind of test before you know there's twenty one and a half thousand people trying to order a burger at half time. But that lineup, I think, if you look at the quality of the opposition, yeah, we start with Genk. Genk, I think, won the regular season in Belgium, then finished second when it breaks down into the playoffs. Um, Betis, no slouches. You've obviously got the uh, Pellegrini kind of company reunion there. But as I said earlier, these feel like teams that are going to be in that mini league of Palace, West Ham, Brighton, um, you know, that Brentford, those teams that we're probably going to see ourselves competing with for anywhere from seventh down to 12th, perhaps. So I think it's been meticulously planned by company. And yeah, I mean, it's given plenty of Burnley fans a good chance to dig out the old passports and get abroad for a bit. And I'm sure they'll enjoy it. I'm just hoping the club are going to start streaming some of these games. Yeah, no, they've got to, haven't they? Benfica, perhaps a little bit of a higher category than that. You know, yeah, Portuguese champions, but again, that's that nice little test, and then we go to Mainz for for the kind of final warm up game before City, when you know company will probably play a side you would expect to line up, you know, eighty percent perhaps against City. So, but yeah, there'll be a good test. I just think it's it's uh, you know gone are the days of Shrewsbury away and you know Aki Stanley, Hyde United, things like that. You know, we've played all them behind closed doors, haven't we? Those kind of running through the leagues games. Mm. Marsden Building Society Lancashire Trophy. That's yeah. the one. I missed the Manx Still Cup. Yeah. The Still Manx Cup. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It yeah, makes yeah. no sense for them to not have a home game, though, does it? It's like a, a no-brainer, particularly when tickets are going to be quite scarce for the coming season. A pre-season friendly against decent opposition at Turf Moor might be the only chance some people are going to get to see the team this season, given you know, given we've sold out our first what is it eight home games, so and all, and also it's a money spinner as well, isn't it? They're going to make more out of you know twenty two thousand at Turf more paying, uh, you know, fifteen quid for a friendly than they will off these watches or these bits of the net that they're selling off, aren't they? Surely. <laughs> is it logistical? I mean, there's been a bit of uh, work going uh, down there, isn't there, on the Harry Potts Way. Yorkshire Street. Yeah, that's true. Actually, I didn't uh, think about that. Yeah, mm, they, they don't know when the kind of whether that's are... whether that's an issue. Yeah, some very nice claret and blue flagstones now outside of the Bob Lord Stand entrance. I noticed. I think Turfcast looks proper. Uh, put some pictures on, but it does look like it could be quite nice. That that kind of strip in in front of the Bob Lord Stand now. 
where we used to stand chanting Teasdale out. On, on that's that the bit. one. That's <laughs> the one, yeah. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's an interesting. I must admit, I had, a, I had a quick look at flights from Miami to Lisbon because I, I really fancy that one. I've been to that ground. Uh, they're not playing at uh, the Stadium of Light, unfortunately. Um, they're playing at Belenenses Stadium, which is just above the monastery of Belen. Um, really nice part of Lisbon. And uh, ground where Jose Mourinho, Jose Mourinho um, played as a player for their reserves in his undistinguished uh, playing career. I was going to say modest playing career, but nothing about Mourinho is particularly <laughs> modest, is it? Um, <laughs> left backs then. So, yeah, so maybe Martin we get, which should be, I think could be great. I'd take him on a year's loan all day. Um, one left back who's not coming to Burnley, but apparently turned us down, is Benjamin Mendy. Uh, legal warning for Woody on this one. Um, <laughs> Mendy, of course, got himself in trouble, let's say, at Manchester City, uh, court cases and so on. He's gone back to uh, to France. Would have been quite a debate had we signed uh, Mendy, I think. No, Justin? Absolutely, I agree. I mean, obviously, completely uh, acquitted on all charges, but... I just think there would have been far too much noise around it and we don't need that kind of distraction, do we? Lad himself has said he just wants wants away from Manchester, doesn't he? In yeah, and he can't blame that. Whatever yeah, went on, he probably wants a fresh start, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. He signs for Burnley's other... in the you know, it's the same same area, just get away. It's a new start, yeah. Uh, from a football point of view, you know, what he what he was like as a forty five million left back, maybe not what City hoped he was gonna be, but uh, Certainly, like tremendous power and pace going forward. The other one, Matt Doherty of uh, Tottenham, formerly of Wolves, going back to Wolves apparently, but there was a, a link with Burnley. I think that would have been an interesting one. Connor Roberts probably wouldn't agree, but I think that would have been uh, would have been a good signing, Matt Doherty. Thoughts on that one? Or bullet dodged? Yeah, I think, again, you know, you look at that kind of Premier League experience, it didn't quite work out at Spurs, did it? Spent latter part of last season at Atletico Madrid, where, again, I don't think it quite works out for him. Um, I, you know, I think he'll do well at Wolves. He knows the place. He was brilliant at Wolves. That earned him his move to Spurs. Again, you know, we we were kind of, you know, kind of small links with him. I didn't think we'd ever get him. But yeah, when you look at it, you kind of think, you know what? I think he'd have fit that system. I think he'd have been the kind of player we're looking for. You know, I actually, I, you know, I'm, I'm quite happy with the right back in Roberts. I think Roberts proved last year that transition, that move into central midfield when needed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think he was, I think he was superb. So I'm not, not too dis, dis you know, disappointed that we, we're going to start the season probably with Roberts. But I do think Doxy could have probably played quite a good role for us. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I said, I said, on, I think on the first podcast, I'd be looking for an alternative to Roberts, not to replace him because I like him as well. But uh, I don't think we've got good enough cover there because I don't, I don't really think we want to be going into tough Premier League games with Vitinho at right back if something, you know, Roberts was injured or suspended. But so maybe we are looking at that position. I don't know. Right, final item, uh, JJ Watt. Um, took to uh, social media with a little video of him showing uh, his American followers and uh, his uh, many, many millions of followers how to make a Benny and Hot, and he wasn't impressed. Uh, Woody, was this disrespectful to Burnley's fine tradition? 
um, of the Benny and Hot. I'll tell you what worried me more than anything out of that video was that we got a, a boiling pan, a so-called boiling pan of water off his stove, managed to spill most of it all over his hand, and we saw no third-degree burns, screaming, hollering, or whatever. So I refute that it was actually Benny and or hot in that particular glass. So no wonder he thought it was shit. It was just tap water. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, other thing, the other thing is it does show, like, one of the things in America that always amazed me is how no one has kettles, right? And even multi-millionaire, <laughs> even multi-millionaire NFL players are boiling water. Obviously, they never have a brew. It's just coffee into out of a filter machine or whatever. But yeah, um, I thought it was a bit weird. I mean, Justin, you thought you missed a trick. Absolutely. I mean, there's quite a good story behind why Burnley fans drink Benny and Hot, isn't there? And yeah. maybe he doesn't know that story, but he could have sold that story, and that would have been a much more interesting video that the than pouring uh, lukewarm water over his hands would have been, wouldn't it? Yeah, um, I think so. He also suggested that his his final comment was that we need a new drink. So I'm not right. sure. See, this is this is this is Americans for you, like you know, God bless no. you. <laughs> but you, you've got to keep the Benny and Hart. I mean, we give it away as a yeah. man of the match prize, don't we? I remember asking Dwight McNeil a couple of years ago um, whether he'd ever had a Benny and Hart, and he he kind of looked at me and said, "I have no idea what it even is," and he was carrying like a special edition. <laughs> Benedict, a bottle of Benedictine, which is what we give away as a man of the match prize when the the kind of sponsors man of the match is a bottle of Benny. Uh, but yeah. I love it. I think it's just, I think you know it's still a legal requirement. I think in Burnley for everybody to have a bottle of it at the back of their drinks Absolutely. cupboard alongside. I, I also you know. uh, I also believe that Sean Dyche used to gargle Benedictine every morning, and that's sort of part of the reason why his voice sounded the way it did. That's what somebody told me that. I don't know if it's true. The swill down the worm. worms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chris, if we did have another drink, if we did have a JJ Watt endorsed Burnley's new mega drink, uh, what would it be? Panamoroses. After they, wouldn't it? Panamoroses. Just on more houses, right? I went to a gig in Manchester yesterday. That didn't happen because the water was off at the Eagle Inn. I went to see Christian Madden, uh, keyboard player extraordinaire from uh, from from Colne and Burnley. Um, guess how much we paid for two pints of more houses blonde witch in the Blackfriar pub in Salford? Fourteen pounds. Oh. oh, you're not far. <laughs> Thirteen quid. Six pound uh, fifty. A pint yeah, of more houses. Yeah. Uh, you can't get a pint for less round. than six quid round here. You no. can't get a pint for less than six quid. Honestly, That's the going right these days. Yeah. It's £2.80 in the Bridge Beer House in Burnley. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm afraid. Um, yeah, my mate Boothy uh, took the took the uh, took that one on the chin. 13 quid for two pints <laughs> in a pub that, when he lived in Salford, was just a, a red brick Boddington's boozer, and it's now one of these bijou type restaurant type pubs but yeah 650 for a pint of more houses so you'd need jj watts cbs salary to just to afford to drink more houses jj watts gotta be bringing bud light hasn't he that's uh that's where he'd be going no i could could see a micro brewery though jj watts claret and blue micro brewery i can see that one (sighs) Yeah, well, I think we've got to the end. I need a drink after all that. So, um, 
We've ended on brand, whinging about the price of a pint, haven't we? So, there you go. Brilliant stuff. Thank you very much indeed for listening again to From the Be All End. You can follow us on at Behold Podcast on Twitter and everywhere else. Please do, when you listen to us, give us a little rating or subscribe or leave us a review so that more people get to spot us. Um, we've had some really, really encouraging signs with our audience figures over the last couple of of weeks. And if anyone's interested in spotting, uh, sponsoring us as well, they can also get in touch uh, via our Twitter feed. And uh, lots and lots of plans in the pipeline for the start of the season. It's getting nearer and nearer and more and more exciting, isn't it? So thanks very much. Thanks a lot, guys. And uh, see you all next week. <laughs>